Beg, borrow, and steal. You have to steal. Steal whatever you see. Michael Caine. Stand-ups will eviscerate and alienate a joke thief. But improv is different. In improv, you're much more free to take ideas because improv isn't so content-driven. Stealing in improv is really about learning from other players and teachers and informing your own performance with those qualities you admire. Now, I don't condone stealing of anything except hearts, but I do want to encourage experimentation. The more you let yourself be informed by other players and influenced by what you see, the better you're going to be. In the book Steal Like an Artist, Austin Cleon discusses good theft versus bad theft. Good theft is to honor what you're stealing rather than degrading it. It's about studying your theft rather than just skimming it and stealing from many, i.e. being informed by many works and people you admire rather than just exploiting one mark. It's also about giving credit. Now, you could argue that this undermines the idea that it's stealing, but I would argue that while that's true, it actually means you've got more credibility and honor. You also want to transform what you take rather than just imitate it and remix rather than rip off. These last two are, I think, the most crucial. Let's say you see a Shakespeare format that uses elements of Shakespeare's comedies, say like mistaken identity and status reversal, and get certain ask-fors that are incorporated into the plot, and you just try and do that same thing. Well, rather than making something of your own, you're making actually a pale imitation. Because here's the thing, I'll bet those other people, the ones who were developing it and who did it first, are doing it better. And even if they say that they're cool with you lifting the genre, format, and plot devices that they've worked so hard on, they're not. I promise you, they're not. However, let's say you were inspired by that Shakespeare show to look at how they use language, how the character types and thematic tropes drive the story, etc., and use that to inform your own genre show. Maybe it's also a Shakespeare show, but maybe it inspired you to break down a different genre. Or to use a simpler example, maybe you see a long-form show and you like a certain edit that they do. You steal that and put it in your show. That's great. It's going to make your existing show more nuanced, more informed. That's good stuff. However, if you try and copy their whole show, that's just not cool. No less an artist than Picasso said, bad artists copy, great artists steal. He was making the point that everything has been done before by someone else. Great artists, in this case improvisers, take advantage of this and allow themselves to be influenced through watching shows, reading books, taking workshops, and having late-night festival discussions about forms and styles. Getting informed and influenced is why great writers can also be thought of as great readers. Painters spend time at art galleries, and filmmakers watch a lot of movies. So expose yourself to great creators in your field and absorb their lessons. Here's an example. Quentin Tarantino is a major film fan, and all of his movies readily display their influences. And his movies are mostly great and totally unique. He's taken his love of other directors' work and used it to create a style all his own. Be like him. Pick up as much as you can and let it inform your work. A note about attribution. If your group does a form or game that you saw somewhere else, mention it. If you adopt an exercise from another workshop teacher and use it in your own, share the provenance with the participants. Not only is it the right thing to do, it'll make you look like you've studied a lot. As much as I like to mention it when I made up an exercise, I equally like to come off as considerate and well-versed in the work of others. That's the key. 
We can all be inspired by others. In fact, we should be inspired. But rather than doing it verbatim, let it mix with your own creative processes, the personalities and dynamics in your group, and see where you end up. Impulse, instinct, and intuition. There is a voice that doesn't use words. Listen. Rumi. Spontaneity is at the heart of improvisation. It's what draws us in, and it's what keeps us coming back. But there's more to spontaneity than just winging it. There are different modes of spontaneity and different points of origin. Gaining a more nuanced understanding of how we act when we're not thinking can help us better understand where our ideas and feelings come from. We can use that understanding to develop and improve our spontaneity, that core muscle of improvisation. Impulse. Impulses originate from our body. When we can't properly explain our reasons for doing something, we say we did it impulsively. Supermarkets put candy and gossipy magazines at the checkout, hoping to facilitate an impulse buy from you. It's called an impulse buy because it's not planned. You do it without really thinking about it. That's how you end up with stacks of People magazines and more Mars bars than you actually need. Uh, you don't actually ever need any Mars bars. That's a fact. But the people who design these supermarkets are masters of understanding how impulses work, and they use this knowledge to influence our purchases. In improv, we seek to understand and utilize impulses for much less cynical reasons. Impulses take place in, our, in the body. Reaching for that pack of spearmint gum without being expressly told by your brain to do so, or checking your mobile when you hear it buzz, these actions operate on the periphery of our awareness. There's no decision to act. It happens in a mental place that is kind of before decision-making. And when someone has the impulse to enter a scene, that's the same thing. It's pre-decision. Now, it's not always the right choice, but it's better for you to honor your impulses than to squelch them, because then they'll stop coming up at all. You feel it, you do it. Instinct. Instinct originates in our core. It's what causes migratory animals to travel and cute newborn babies to clutch at your finger. Instinct is honed for survival. When we sharpen our stage instincts, we're teaching ourselves to respond reflexively, without thinking. Our scene partner might pay our character a compliment, and we instinctively become suspicious. Or our character may push back when being poked one too many times by a belligerent cab driver. Our instincts, like our impulses, aren't always right, but they're useful. They're tied to survival. And even though being on stage isn't actually life-threatening, our instincts will often lead us towards a desired outcome. Intuition. Intuition is often tied to story sense. An idea like, I just had a feeling that I should knock at the door in that moment, or I knew I should ask her about the soccer game. When we allow our intuition room to play on stage, it can lead to beautiful, spontaneous moments that often have a deeper significance than we might have suspected. In his book Blink, Malcolm Gladwell says we know more than we think we do, and we can know things subconsciously before our conscious mind is aware of them. It happens in the movies when the main character says, I have a bad feeling about this. And then the hosts of the swanky party grab them and throw them in a dank basement lit only by a bare bulb and then torture them. Or it could be in real life when things come together. When you were thinking about buying an ice cream and then you find a $5 bill on the ground, so you buy an ice cream. Or when you decide not to skip third period French class on the day the principal pays that class a surprise visit. 
or any one of those things that seem coincidental or circumstantial, but are actually due to mental processes working below our consciousness. The power of the three eyes. Impulse, instinct, and intuition are always working. We can't turn them off, though we can override or ignore them, which happens often enough in real life. Sometimes, in our everyday life, it can be useful to not use these advantages. However, in improv, that's rarely the case. It's not uncommon to see a beginner, or even an experienced improviser, freeze up on stage trying to come up with a good idea. I'd say around 96% of the time, they're not actually trying to come up with an idea. They're trying to override the idea that's in their mind so they can come up with something better. This means they're in an improv scene trying to tamp down the spontaneous flow to come up with an idea out of their head in the hope that it will be better than the idea or ideas that they already have. This is rarely, if ever, a useful course of action. You've got all these tools, things that are literally happening in every single moment as your brain microprocesses what's happening and offers up courses of action. Take it easy and follow those waves. You'll be rewarded.